I invite you to also follow along in a hard copy or a phone copy or however else you want to follow along. For many people, the Bible is just a very complicated book. And that might have to do with its age and its style and all those kinds of things. The reality is the Bible is an amazing book. And this is a stunning story. So if you've heard it one too many times and you've forgotten that it's a stunning story, listen closely and see if you can see um, how well this is written. Hear the word of God. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They're talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they discussed, as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things? he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who's going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it's the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us for it's nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem there they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. This is the word of the Lord. Today, the message is called See the Story. And we're going to be working on the question, how do I get people to see? 
We're doing Alpha right now, and this past week, the Alpha topic was, how do I tell others? And that's sort of what this is about, because if indeed Jesus rose from the dead, if that's true, then everything changes. Because if God can raise Jesus from the dead, what can't he do? At this time of year, we look outside, and maybe you have some bulbs near where you live, and you look out and you see them just peeking through the ground, and you have this sense, because you've seen it before, spring's going to come. It's not just going to be sunny like today, it's actually going to be warm, right? That happens. We remember that from a long time ago. And it's spring, and the Maple Leafs are in the playoffs. <laughs> Do you have that much faith? And it's spring, and Jesus rose from the dead. And if God can raise Jesus from the dead, what is there in your world and in your life that he can't heal and fix and change and bring into the place it's meant to be? Now, when we want people to get it, to understand, most of us, certainly myself included, think, if only I can answer all their questions. We're doing Alpha right now, and all I'm learning in Alpha is that people have way more questions than I can answer. Or we think, if only I explain it just right. So by the way, preaching on Easter is always one of the most challenging things because all my colleagues sort of hype this day up and think, today you've got to get it just right because today you've got to get people to believe this for the first time. And that feels like a lot of pressure. And I've done this long enough to know that one thing is for sure, however good or bad this message is, I won't get it all right. And I won't convince everybody by what I say and what I explain. How do we get people to see? This story is about how God gets people to see. First, the situation, two of them, two unnamed disciples, were going to a village called Emmaus, they were walking with each other, and they were talking with each other, which is a pretty rudimentary thing. They're on a journey somewhere else. I'm guessing they're going because, well, Jesus died. They thought he was going to change everything, but he's dead. Let's go home. That's probably about it. You see in the, in the Gospel of John, the disciples, they go fishing. They go, well, we were going to be rabbis with Jesus. We were going to teach the world, but, well, he's dead, so let's go fishing. That's probably where, what they're doing here, too. And then Jesus came up and walked alongside them. Can you picture this? Two disciples of Jesus, two people who would recognize Jesus because they were his disciples. They would hang around with him all the time. Right? He wasn't just another bearded guy walking along the road. This was Jesus. Comes up alongside of them, and they have no idea who he is. If you like Shakespeare, so the three or four of us who like Shakespeare, a Shakespearean comedy loves this trick, right? If you watch Shakespeare, especially when they interpret it really well for you, reading it's a little harder, right? They'll often do things where they're wearing masks, right? And if you ever watch these things presented, the mask is like over here, right? So if I were to wear a little mask here today, would you have any idea who I am? Hearing my voice and seeing me standing here dressed in these clothes, right? You'd probably figure it out. There's comedy, if I may say so in this story because the whole journey of people seeing the risen jesus has some comedy to it the people writing this story are the disciples of jesus the male disciples of jesus people like matthew 
and Luke, right? And when they're writing this story, they have to say, yeah, we told Jesus we'd be with him right to the end, but you know when that whole death thing happened? We weren't there. You know when that resurrection thing happened? We weren't there. We didn't even believe the women in the Matthew version when they told us. Up to this point, the male disciples anyways have no idea that Jesus is risen. And so they're walking along in this journey, and Jesus himself, the risen Jesus, walks up alongside of them. Now, there's a small chance that they're just people like me who have a horrible time trying to remember who people are. But if it was Jesus and he was someone I'd walked with for three years, even I would recognize him, right? So there's no chance that this is about anything other than them having this block from God intentionally writing this story so that this effect happens. They're waiting, they're walking. And then the setup, they were kept from recognizing him. Doesn't say who, I'm going with God. God kept them from recognizing him. And then he asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? What are you talking about? Right? Tell me what's going on in your life. And look at the response. Shock and dismay. They stood still. So you're walking along, you're having this conversation, and he asks, what are you talking about? And they're going, seriously? Are you alive? And you don't know what happened in Jerusalem? The guy that we've all as Jews been following and, and many of us hoping he's going to set us free and they killed him and you don't know this? It's hard to say this, but they're saying, are you dumb? Hold on to that thought because they just asked Jesus if he was a little bit slow in carrying on or paying attention to what's going on around him. Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know these things that have happened here in these days? And then, classic Jesus, what things? I tried to look up how many questions Jesus asks compared to how many he actually answers. And it gets really confusing because the guy doing the research just loved data and details and so on. So Jesus asks a lot of questions. I'm just going to drop it there not bury you in data and information. Jesus loves to ask questions. Jesus' favorite way of dealing with a question is to ask a question. And Jesus' favorite way of dealing with all of us is to say, you tell me. Tell me what things you think have been happening. Tell me how you see this story. And this is the amazing thing to me. They have a perfect recitation of the story. They nail the details. Right? So everything in here, I shorten it for you. His name is Jesus. He was powerful in word and deed, and the chief priests came. They crucified him. We had hoped that he was going to be the Messiah, but on the third day, when we went to the tomb, we didn't find his body. The women said he was alive, but they did not see Jesus. Is that not pretty much the Apostles' Creed? Is that not exactly what you believe that happened? Right? That's the biblical story. They nailed every single detail of the story, but could not see Jesus. And somehow I'm supposed to convince you. They walked in this world. They saw this going on. They were on this journey. Jesus was standing there with them, and they could not see. There must be something more than having the right information, right? So if you think that educating yourself and knowing the story and having read the story is everything, it's good, it's important. The Bible's an amazing book. But there's always this piece in there where to see it Something else needs to take place. Now it's Jesus' turn for shock and dismay. Look what the words he uses. How foolish you are. 
and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. And let's pause for a minute on this Easter Sunday to hear Jesus say that to us. Right? I'm guessing that there's more than one person here who's carrying a heavy burden. There's more than one person here who's dealing with stuff in their life where they're going, I don't think that's ever going to get better. I don't think I'm ever going to have peace with that. I don't think I'm ever going to be forgiven for that. I don't think I'm ever going to move forward from that. And Jesus says to you, how foolish you are. How foolish you are. And really what he's saying is, how human of you. How normal of you. Because this takes something more than just having the data and the information in front of you in order to believe it. It takes the power of the Spirit. It takes the power of Jesus. How foolish you are and how slow to believe that if Jesus rose from the dead, if the tomb is indeed empty, then whatever it is that you're facing and dealing with, that too is in the hands and the power of God to heal and change. Do you believe how foolish we can be along the way? And then Jesus gives what I would consider probably a perfect recitation of the story, but it doesn't tell us. It says, in beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. I still remember a sermon from a colleague of mine who's a son-in-law of the very first pastor of this church. If you want to play the game of figuring out who in the world that is, go ahead. And he said on this passage, oh, I wish I was there. Oh, I wish that I had this explanation of where Jesus saw himself in all the Old Testament and all the known scriptures of that time. Which begs the question, why don't we have that? And I think I have an answer. I think it goes like this. The very nature of the Bible is to tell you stories like the one I'm telling you now on the, about the Emmaus Road that are puzzling and humorous and strange to make you wonder and keep you going to the very end. And if Jesus would have laid out, and these are all the passages where I was spoken of in the Old Testament, we say, oh, good, we got all the answers. That's Euro-Canadian kind of thinking. The Bible is written by Hebrew folk who wrote stories with fun things in them like chiasms and parallels and all kinds of strange puzzles that make you sit in them and go, why don't you just tell me the answer? I don't know about you, I've often wondered that from God. Why don't you just put all the right answers in the book in a list so I know exactly what all the right answers are? Is it infant baptism or believer's baptism? It doesn't actually answer that question simply, does it? It's because Jesus and the gospel writers want to say to us, yeah, Jesus is in the entire Old Testament. Go look. Go look. Keep searching. Spend the rest of your life finding Jesus in all these places. Be amazed at this word because Jesus himself said, I'm under every rock of the Old Testament. I'm in every passage. If you look and you pray and you open your eyes, you're going to see me. It's all concerning himself. And then always hospitality. There's always hospitality in the Bible. They urged him strongly, stay with us. It's nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went and stayed with them because that is what you do in that culture. If someone invites you in, you go in. Ruthann and I are going to uh, Newfoundland this summer, and we have heard on good authority of our Newfoundland friends that one of the things you can do in Newfoundland is just pull over on the side of the road and go, hi, and then you get to stay over for the night. They are that hospitable. We're going to hopefully learn something about that kind of thing, and we're going to bring it back here, all right? It's true. I have it on good authority. And that better not be the only thing you take home from this message. <laughs> 
And then they invited him into their place. Do this at someone's house sometime. You gotta try this at someone's house sometime. You're the guest, they're having a meal, right? They put everything on the table, then you go to the table and you say, all right, I'm gonna pray and I'm gonna tell you about this bread. And they're gonna go, what in the world are you doing? We asked you to our house. You're not the host. Jesus hosts in their house. Because Jesus knows he's the only host there is. Doesn't matter whose meal it is. Doesn't matter whose house it is. It's Jesus' meal, right? And I want to suggest to you that we've been doing communion every week in here with the little bits of bread and the little bits in the cup. Every time you eat, every time you have hospitality with other people, think about communion. Think about the fact that that nourishment is just one more piece of nourishment that God has given you to carry out his kingdom, to live out what he's done by rising from the dead. It's not just the separate meal, the strange meal we do here. This is a symbol that tells you every time you eat, God is feeding you so that you can do what he's called you to do. He took bread, and he gave thanks, and he broke it, and he began to give it to them. That sounds familiar, right? It doesn't say he's doing communion here but it sure sounds like that's what he's doing here. And then, now you see me, now you don't. Then their eyes were opened. Then God took the scales from their eyes the same way he converted Saul, who was trying to persecute him. He took the, the light and blinded him. And he took scales from his eyes, and suddenly he sees who Jesus is. Suddenly they see Jesus, who Jesus is because he let them. That should give us a whole lot of peace. Your job is to tell the story. Your job is to get the details right along the way. But this is when people come to understand in God's time, in his way, by his gift. And it happens all the time. It's happening right now. It's happening today, right? Their eyes were opened because God opened their eyes. And then they recognized him. And shoot, can you imagine that? You finally figure out that Jesus has been walking with you the whole time. And now he disappears. So you can't go, wait a minute, I got a couple more questions. Why did he do that? Why didn't Jesus give us more than 40 days after the resurrection. Why didn't he stay around for a few years? Because there were a lot more questions that he could have answered, a lot more things he could have done. There's a lot more healing he could have done. Because he just needed us to know. He just needed to plant the seed. He just needed to tell us there's hope. There's hope. It's spring. It's happening. Now you go and believe it and tell the story and share it. You know one of the things that really amazes me about this story? It's told and seen with such a lack of faith. So few people understood what happened with Jesus. And yet, here we are 2,000 years later, after 2,000 years of actually a whole lot of horrible history on the part of the church, and yet this movement is growing and growing and growing, and more people know who Jesus is in this world just simply because it's true. Just simply because it's true. And we have inside of us this need. We need that hope. We need that anticipation. Right? If it was going to be winter all the time, like in the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, if it was always winter, oh man, I'm not sure I could take it. I'm so glad that even though it's still cold outside, it's sunny, right? And I know that this week the temperature's going to go up and some flowers are actually going to start growing and it's not going to be brown everywhere. Right? We know this. We live in that hope. And we also know the tomb is empty. Jesus has risen from the dead. And if God can raise someone from the dead and then seat him at his right hand on the throne, 
And we got somebody who's on our side, who's making all the difference in the world, and we can trust that. Looking back and going back, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us? I want to suggest to you here that Jesus is redeeming heartburn. We're not our hearts burning within us. So not only every time you have a meal, think of it as communion, every time you have heartburn, think, I must be longing for something more. It fits perfectly, doesn't it? Right? I'm longing for that day when I no longer have heartburn, for example. I'm longing for whatever other bigger, more serious pains in my life can be restored. We're not our hearts burning when he talked with us. Could we not tell, right? And, and anyone who tells you their story of coming to faith will tell you, yeah, there's this this niggling in my mind. There's this disturbance in my soul. I was losing sleep. God was waking me up in the middle of the night with questions. God was getting under my skin. Were not our hearts burning within us? And if you have a heart-burning kind of thing going on for you today, pay attention to it. God's trying to scratch an itch. He's trying to get your attention. He's going to show himself to you soon, and he wants to invite you to take that in faith. So, they get a do-over. They return at once to Jerusalem. They find the 11. They're all assembled together. And they were going, I, I, we know it's true. Simon Peter saw him. They didn't even get to break the news to them. They just had to hold on to it and celebrate and start over themselves. Final point. Why did they see him in the breaking of the bread? Why the breaking of the bread? They told these two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus recognized them when he broke the bread. Why in this simple supper? The elements are coming soon, so I can't pick up the bread right now. Pretend I'm holding bread. Why in this symbol? One, because you do it every day. You eat something every day, right? But two, because it's just an action and a symbol and an experience that just keeps reminding you. Jesus spent incredible, incredibly little time explaining exactly what was going on, right? It keeps theologians in business all the time because we have to keep asking questions. What did he mean by that? What was going on here? How do we deal with this? But he did give us this meal. And it's a simple meal so that every time we participate, as we're about to do, every time we take this in, every time we celebrate together, it's a reminder again that even if you don't have all the facts, even if you don't understand fully, see in this simple idea that Jesus is feeding you, that he's nourishing you, that he's encouraging you, that he's giving you everything you need to have hope and to trust in all that he has in store. Come and eat with that kind of trust. See him in the breaking of the bread. Amen.